Hey, winning team, my anchor winning team family. Welcome back, welcome back. We are doing Kingdom Principles by Dr. Miles Monroe. We are now on chapter 10. I think we probably got like two more chapters to go. For those who are new to my podcast, my name is Tina Smoot. I am a life coach and a mentor and a motivational speaker. Um, you can follow me on YouTube at Tina Smoot. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that noted bell so you can know when I go live or upload a video. All right, I love you guys. I hope y'all having a great Monday. Today is Spiritual Cleansing Monday. I'm doing a 30-day challenge called Spiritual Cleansing, where every Monday until January the 5th, you just get with yourself and get with God. And I come up each Monday, I'm going to give you something to do. So this Monday, I'm telling everybody to get your journal, get your blue ink pen. Now, I got the blue ink pen idea from my mentor, Latoya Kill. The blue ink pen ain't my idea. But it works for me. It feels good in my spirit. So I just carried it on to what I'm doing. So get your blue ink pen. Get your journal. And write down your affirmations and your I am's. And just meditate on it. And wait on God. And listen to God. And ask God to tell you. And to show you like what your purpose is. If he haven't told you already. Or showed you already. And then think big. Don't write down things that you know you can do. Write down things that seem impossible. Because we all know. With God, all things are possible. So write down your impossible, the things that you want to do, but you think it's impossible for you to do. Those are the ones you need to be writing down. And write down in details with your I am's and your affirmations. And just meditate and just relax today and get in the word of God. You can do it when you get off work. You can do it on your lunch break, when you're in the car, whatever you want to do. However you want to do it. Not if you drive. I take that back. If you're in the car and you're driving, that's not a good idea. But. If, unless you got your affirmations recorded, that's a good idea. Okay, so we're going to get right into chapter 10 of Kingdom Principles. Chapter 10, Kingdom Concept Number 7, Understanding the Kingdom Concept of Citizenship. The most awesome power and position of national privilege is citizenship. Citizenship is the most valuable asset of a nation and is not easily given because of its power and impact. All governments defend the right of citizenship with the same fervor because of its implications. Citizenship is not membership. Religions function on membership, while nations and kingdoms function on citizenship. In recent months, immigration has become a hot topic in some parts of the world. For example, there is rising concern among many Western Europeans that the continuing influx of Muslim immigrants from the Middle East will soon transform the entire religious, social, and cultural complexion of Europe. Recent sectarian riots in France over unemployment and in many other European countries over the publication of blasphemous cartoons of Mohammed have revealed that little cultural assimilation among those immigrants has occurred. Of even greater concern, however, is the spectacle that has been going on in the United States over immigration. For months, debates have raged over the status of millions of illegal aliens, mostly from Mexico, who live and work in the U.S. Rallies in support of these illegals have drawn thousands out onto the streets. Some legislators have proposed granting all illegal aliens currently in the country immediate legal status and placing them on a short track to American citizenship. 
Others insist that the U.S. government detain and deport as many illegal immigrants as they can find and increase patrols at the U.S.-Mexican border to prevent further would-be immigrants from crossing over. There are even some who have seriously proposed building a fence along the entire 700-mile length of the border. It seems that masses of people from south of the border are clamoring to get into the United States. Why? What draws them to risk life, capture, imprisonment, or deportation just to cross that border? It could be many things. Better jobs, higher pay, better health care, greater opportunities, and an all-around better quality of life than they feel they can get in their home country. For many... It is the lure of even the possibility of citizenship in the most prosperous nation in the world. I'm not trying to make a case either for or against the advantages or benefits of being an American citizen. My point here is that citizenship is a powerful draw. People are attracted to a nation that appears to promise a better life than the one they are living where they are. Some people even become desperate enough to do anything they have to do to become a part of that nation. So the concept of citizenship is critical to understanding the nature of the kingdom of heaven. As I've said before, all governments and kingdoms operate on governing laws and principles. Citizenship is necessary for the validity and legitimacy of any nation. Not only that, but citizenship is the most sacred privilege of a nation. The Power and Privilege of Citizenship Citizenship has great power as well as great privileges. That is why people are willing to risk their lives and cross borders, even to the point of death, to pursue the hope of citizenship. Citizenship is not only sacred, but sanctified, set apart. A citizen is part of an elite, privileged group. People who have lived as subjects of a foreign government, rather than citizens, understand this distinction much better than people who were born citizens. The same is true for people who have worked very hard to earn the privilege to become a naturalized citizen of their chosen country. As a sacred privilege, citizenship is the most precious gift that any nation can give. That's why there are laws to protect people from it and protect it from people. Apart from native-born citizens, citizenship is neither awarded lightly nor obtained easily, and it shouldn't be. Citizenship is too precious a treasure to hand out indiscriminately like handbills. When it comes to matters of citizenship, the kingdom of God is no different from any other country. Remember, the kingdom of God is not a religion. It is a government with a country. Heaven is that country, and Jesus Christ is its king. Referring to Christ, the ancient Hebrew prophet Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, emphasis added. Like any other country, the kingdom of God has the principle of citizenship. And like the example of America above, once people know about the kingdom, and once they understand what it is and what it has to offer, they clamor to get in. This is what Jesus was referring to when he said, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. Luke 16, 16. Everyone is forcing his way into it. Once people learn about the kingdom of God, they can't wait to get in. Picture in your mind all those would-be immigrants desperately clamoring to cross the border 
and then you will see what Jesus meant. Why then, someone might ask, do we not see people clamoring to get into the churches? Why does the church as a whole seem to have so little impact on our culture? The reason is simple and sad. Most pastors don't understand the kingdom, so they don't preach it or teach it. Consequently, most of the people in the churches don't understand the kingdom either, so they don't model kingdom living. My experience has been that once people know about the kingdom and see it modeled, they want it. Such is the power of the lure of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Becoming a kingdom citizen. All nations, including kingdoms, have citizens, and all nations require immigration status. The kingdom of God is no different. Every kingdom citizen today is a naturalized citizen. We emigrated from a foreign country, a dominion of darkness, see Colossians 1.13, where we as a race had been exiled ever since Adam's rebellion in the Garden of Eden. At that time, the human race lost citizenship in heaven. We lost our citizenship because we lost our kingdom, and we lost our kingdom because we lost our property, our territory. Don't forget that without territory there is no kingdom, and without a kingdom there can be no kingdom citizenship. When Jesus Christ began his public ministry, he announced that the kingdom of heaven had arrived. That was the only message he preached. He brought back to earth the kingdom we lost at Eden and gave us access to it again. We enter the kingdom of heaven through the process that Jesus called being born again. See John 3, 3. Changing our mind and turning from our rebellion against God, placing our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our rebellion and acknowledging him as Lord, owner of our lives. This new birth gets us into the kingdom of heaven. Many believers call this being saved, but I think it is more helpful here to think of the new birth as the naturalization process by which we become kingdom citizens. The new birth makes us naturalized citizens of the kingdom. It also naturalizes us in the sense that it returns us to our original, natural state of authority and dominion over the earth as God intended from the start. When we become citizens of God's kingdom, it means that we voluntarily align ourselves with a new government and a new country, embracing its language, its ideals, and its values. The kingdom constitution is explicit regarding our citizenship. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Ephesians 2.19, emphasis added. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Philippians 3.20, emphasis added. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Colossians 1, 12 and 13, emphasis added. Not only does the new birth make us citizens of heaven, but our citizenship begins immediately. We are kingdom citizens right now. Our citizenship is a present reality. We are fellow citizens with God's people. Our citizenship is in heaven. God has brought us into the kingdom of his Son. Why is this so important? Here's why. Religion postpones citizenship to the future. Religious leaders tell their people, you will be a citizen someday. You will be in the kingdom. You will have joy later. You will be a full citizen. But not today, not yet. The kingdom has not yet come. They are wrong. 
The kingdom has come. Kingdom citizenship is never postponed. The kingdom of God is present and functional on the earth right now. If you have been born again, then you have been naturalized and are a kingdom citizen right now. And that means that all the rights, benefits, and privileges of kingdom citizenship are yours right now. You can enjoy your citizenship right now. You don't have to wait until some indefinite time in the future. You can never appropriate what you postpone. That's what you call locking up the kingdom of God to those who want to get in. It is for this reason that I am convinced that the greatest enemy of the kingdom is religion. Religion keeps pushing the kingdom away from people. You can't get in now. You can't experience it now. You can't benefit from it now. Wait until later. And so the people suffer. That is why so many religious people live defeated, destitute, and frustrated lives. They believe they have to wait for their reward. Dual Citizenship Kingdom governments exercise jurisdiction over their citizens no matter where they are. One of the main purposes that nations maintain embassies in other countries is to provide assistance to their citizens who are living or traveling away from home. Once, in Africa, I had a problem and had to fly to London, England. The Bahamian embassy sent a chauffeured car to pick me up at the airport and put me up in a house. A dear American friend of mine who was a missionary in Mozambique years ago spent the better part of a year in prison after the communists took over the country. Upon his release, the American embassy paid for his plane ticket home, gave him $300 cash, and said, Your wife will be waiting for you. If you were to visit the Bahamas and happen to lose all your money or face some other crisis, all you would have to do is turn to your country's embassy and they would help you. That's what they are there for. One of the responsibilities of any government is to take care of its citizens, whether at home or abroad. In a very real sense, that's what the church is, or what it is supposed to be, an embassy. The church is not a religious place. When Jesus established his ecclesia, he did not have a religious institution in mind. His purpose was to set up an embassy of his kingdom, a place where kingdom citizens, new and old, could receive aid, be trained in the ways, laws, language, and customs of the kingdom, and be equipped with the kingdom resources they need for effective life in the kingdom colony on earth. All kingdom citizens carry dual citizenship. Most governments on earth allow dual citizenship, where citizens of one country may hold simultaneous legal citizenship in another. If you are an American or Canadian or German citizen, for example, you could become an official legal citizen of the Bahamas without being required to give up your prior citizenship. Children born to citizens of one country who are living in another country generally become citizens of both countries. It is no different with the kingdom of heaven. All kingdom citizens are simultaneously citizens of the kingdom of heaven as well as citizens of the earthly nation of their birth or their naturalization. We don't give up our earthly citizenship when we become citizens of the kingdom. And in the same way, we don't have to be in heaven to benefit from heavenly jurisdiction. Our citizenship is constant, and the kingdom government exercises jurisdiction over us wherever we are. The kingdom constitution says that we are in the world, but not of the world. Even though we are in a foreign territory, actually our government's colony, our registration is not here. When it says our citizenship is in heaven, it means that our registration, our official documentation, is not on earth. 
When we are born again, our names are written in heaven's official registry as valid confirmation that we are now citizens of heaven, even though we still live in the colony. So, even though we are physically away from the kingdom country, we are still citizens of the kingdom. When Jesus stood before Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? John 18.33b To which Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. John 18.36 It is important to note here both what Jesus said as well as what he did not say. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. He did not say, My kingdom is not in this world. He said, My kingdom is from another place. He did not say, My kingdom is not in this place. As the official representative of the emperor, Pilate possessed kingly authority in Judea. Speaking as one king to another, Jesus acknowledged his kingship. In fact, he stated plainly to Pilate, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. John 18.37b And what was that truth? The truth that the kingdom of heaven had arrived, the only message Jesus preached. So Christ's kingdom was in the world, but not of the world. It was from another place, but also resident here on earth. It was here now, but it was not from here. So all kingdom citizens possess dual citizenship in heaven and on earth. That status will continue until the day when the present heaven and earth pass away, and the king recreates them both. Then there will be no more separation, because the time will have come when the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Revelation 21.3 On that day, the government of heaven will exercise full dominion over the new earth under the co-regency of all kingdom citizens. Invisible Citizenship Someone may ask, if the kingdom of heaven is here now, why can't we see it? Why isn't there more evidence of it all around us? The answer is very simple. We cannot see the kingdom of heaven because it is invisible, and so are its citizens. In fact, all colonial governments and citizens are invisible. I grew up and have spent most of my life in the Bahamas. I am a Bahamian citizen who was born while the Bahamas was still part of the British Commonwealth. While I was growing up, I never visited England. I never visited Parliament or saw the Queen. But like the rest of my countrymen, I knew they were there. After all, we sang their songs, wore their clothes, observed their laws, learned their history, but we never saw them. So the government was invisible, but it was real. Just look at us today. We speak English. We drive on the left side of the street and carry on many customs and traditions that are the legacy of our years as part of the British Empire. In the Bahamas, the British government was invisible, but also influential. In the same way, the fact that the kingdom of heaven is invisible does not mean that it has no impact. Jesus taught this truth about the kingdom more than once. On one occasion, he illustrated it this way. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Luke 13, 20 and 21. That's how yeast works, slowly but inexorably, until all the dough feels its influence. Once mixed with the dough, the yeast is invisible. But if you think that means no impact, just try baking bread without it. P. 
people have been debating the nature and timing of the coming of the kingdom of heaven for centuries. It was no different in Jesus' day. One day he spoke of the invisibility of the kingdom in response to a question from some of the religious leaders. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 20 and 21. The kingdom of God is invisible. We cannot detect it simply by observation. And if the kingdom of God resides within its citizens, that means that all kingdom citizens are invisible also. We bear no physical or outward signs that broadcast to the world, I am a kingdom citizen. Our citizenship must become known in other ways. One day in Ohio, I shared an elevator with a lady who asked politely, How are you? Fine, I replied, and we began to talk. Where are you from, she asked. Why do you ask, I answered. Because you have an accent. She knew nothing about me until I spoke. There was no way for her to tell just by looking at me that I was Bahamian. My citizenship was invisible. It was my speech that clued her into the fact that I was not from her neck of the woods. Citizenship is invisible. The only way you can actually know someone is from a particular place is by listening to them and observing their behavior over time. The same is true with us as kingdom citizens. There is no way for people to tell by looking at us that we are citizens of the kingdom. Our language and our behavior should make that known to them. In other words, they should recognize us by our distinct culture. Culture is a product of the language, ideals, and values of a people or nation. Even though people cannot recognize us as kingdom citizens by our outward appearance, our distinctive language, ideals, and values should give us away. Our culture should reflect and reveal our citizenship as being here, but not from here, as being in the world, but not of the world. Principles 1. Citizenship is the most sacred privilege of a nation. 2. Citizenship is the most precious gift that any nation can give. 3. Like any other country, the kingdom of God has the principle of citizenship. 4. Every kingdom citizen today is a naturalized citizen. 5. The new birth makes us naturalized citizens of the kingdom. 6. Not only does the new birth make us citizens of heaven, but our citizenship begins immediately. We are kingdom citizens right now. Our citizenship is a present reality. 7. Religion postpones citizenship to the future. 8. You can never appropriate what you postpone. 9. All kingdom citizens carry dual citizenship. 10. All colonial governments and citizens are invisible. 11. The kingdom of God is invisible. 12. All kingdom citizens are invisible also. 13. Our culture should reflect and reveal our citizenship as being here, but not from here, as being in the world, but not of the world. All right, y'all. That's it for chapter 10 of Kingdom Principles. Um, some nuggets that I got from it is uh, people don't know that we're kingdom ambassadors. People don't know that we're kingdom, kingdom citizens just by looking at us. It's our actions that reveal who we are. It's our actions that have people say it's something different about you or um, 
you got a good spirit about you. You know how people say that about some people? Yeah, it's because our actions and how we carry ourselves reveal that it's something different. We don't act like the rest of the people. We don't act like the world. So they want, they're going to inquire and ask you, ask you about these things. And that's when you hit them with, do you know Jesus? And if you don't know Jesus, this is how you get to know him. First, you have to believe that Jesus is the son of God. No man comes to the father except through the son. Second, you have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins, which he did. He died for you. He died for me. He died for the world. Thirdly, you had to ask him to come into your life and to save you, and you will be saved. If you've done that, it don't have to be me, but you're going to have to get get with God and ask him to send you to the right mentor, life coaches, the right teacher, preacher, however you want to say it. You got to ask God to help you to get you to the right people for your situation, your unique situation, because every situation is unique. And I know I'm not for everybody. So I want to encourage y'all to get out there. And do what God tells you to do if you and get on the winning team. Get on the winning team by saying the prayer that I just said. That's how you get on the winning team. I love you guys. You guys have a great spiritual cleansing Monday.